Welcome to another episode of the Father Ted Talk, broadcast here at the National Shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in Emmitsburg, Maryland. Today we welcome a special guest, Father Caesar. Notice that in today's Gospel, our blessed Lord has already chosen his disciples, who will be the pillars on which the, his future church will stand and the depositaries of his power in the order of doctrine, of grace, of regime, or way of life, of the kingdom of God that he preaches. The, the hierarchs of the Jewish people are thus excluded. They no longer exist, and a new hierarchy is founded then. He will now give the main outlines of the specific inner life. So he sets up the hierarchy of the church, and then he goes on to give the main outlines of the specific inner life of this kingdom and indicate the spiritual conditions of those who wish to live according to its laws. That is to say, the Beatitudes, which respond to the desire for happiness that is imprinted in the heart of men since by reason of the ineffable rewards that accompany them, they are already in this life a foretaste of eternal life, the Beatitudes. This doctrine, therefore, which formed the Gospel's great charter of the poor, the little, the humble, is a antithesis of that which the spirit of the world preaches by works and example. So, he cannot accept this doctrine. Nor this doctrine is for half-hearted Christians, Catholics. Why? Because the reason in order to accept the Beatitudes, it is necessary to love the cross. And to love the cross implies to love sufferings. And not only to love sufferings, but rejoice in sufferings. As the Beatitudes suggests. The Beatitudes draw the face of Jesus Christ and describe his love, his charity. They point out the moral conditions necessary for the citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And at once they reverse the idea of a happy life. At once. That is to say, the criteria of the world are reversed as soon as things are seen in the right perspective. 
that is to say, from God's scale of values, which is different from that of the world. Precisely those who according to the world's criteria are considered the poor and lost are the truly happy ones, the blessed ones, and can rejoice in spite of all their sufferings. The Beatitudes are promises in which the new image of the world and of men that Jesus inaugurates shines forth and in which values are inverted, change. They are eschatological promises, but they should not be understood as if they as if the joy they announce should be transferred to an infinitely distant future, only to the hereafter. When man begins to see, when man begins to see and live through God, when he walks with Jesus, then he lives with new criteria. And therefore, already now, something of what is come is present. With Jesus' joy comes with tribulations. The Beatitudes illuminate the actions and attitudes characteristics of the Christian life. St. Thomas Aquinas says that the Beatitudes are such perfect acts, such perfect acts, that they must be attributed to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He goes on to say that by reason of this ineffable reward that accompanied them, they are already in this life as a foretaste of heaven. And that is why the Beatitudes respond to the natural desire for happiness which is of divine origin. The Beatitudes are virtuous acts and are the beginning of eternal happiness. Virtuous acts. The reason is because the man exercised in virtue comes to feel in his soul certain effects that are like a prelude to the delights of glory. For example, the soul that knows how to detach itself from the love of earthly things, that mortifies itself fully, that seeks God in everything, enjoys profound interior peace. And this profound interior peace is like a prelude to the peace of heaven. Thus, virtuous acts are developing in the soul's secret joys, intimate happiness, divine delight, that is like a prelude to the joys, happiness, and eternal joys. And we can see this from the point of what St. Paul says, don't you know that you are temples of the Holy Spirit? The most holy trinity is working in our souls. It's a work, it's a divine work. These mysterious delights of which the saints speak 
that happiness which they felt when they had given themselves totally to God are the fruits of the virtues. Having understood this, let us then in brief focus on the first beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Our Lord Jesus Christ does not flatter human passions at all. He knows that this, his teaching will be like a two-edged sword which will transform those who once hunger for early riches into those who hunger for poverty. But what does this beatitude mean? St. Gregory of Nyssa distinguishes two kinds of, pro- of poverty. Namely, the first is without virtue and the second is virtuous. For instance, there are men who live in poverty but do not use it to serve God. This is not evangelical poverty. And there are men who use their poverty as a means to serve God. This is a holy poverty. A poverty that is given by God. Is given by God. Because the good spirit to love poverty, to look at poverty as the way to heaven, supposes a life from above. Which detaches us of all those goods of this world and makes us see the value of goods we have in Christ. These are the poor in spirit. That is the poor who are poor because they love poverty supernaturally. Because they accept it supernaturally. Because they take it as a means to go to God. In other words, blessed are the poor in spirit are those who expect everything from God and expect nothing from themselves. By adding of a spirit, Jesus Christ is clearly putting the accent on the inner attitude of men. They are those who have totally banished from themselves the lust of the eyes. That is, they immoderate desire for material goods. Finally, we can say that the inordinate love of riches is the root of all evil. This is why the devil first tempted men to covet riches, that they more easily attempt the empty honors of this world, and then come to overwinning pride, and from these three steps, the evil one leads to all other vices. Therefore, now more than ever, we must proclaim and inculcate this first beatitude. Asking the Lord to revive in his holy church the spirit of poverty. Let us also pray that the Lord grant us the spirit, this spirit, so that the kingdom of heaven may be ours. And we ask this grace through the intercession of our blessed mother.